What Black History Month means to me is keeping the dream of Martin Luther King alive as we still to this day fight for racial equality. One of the things that I look forward to during Black History Month is discovering small businesses led by Black entrepreneurs, Black business owners, and it's always really exciting to learn more about them and to patronize their businesses and support the work that they're doing. I am most inspired by the courage that our Black leaders, as well as everyday people, displayed for so long. Hello, and welcome to Barrier Breakers, United Way of Central Maryland's podcast to help you be informed, be inspired, and be more. I'm your host, Wayne Yun, for this special Black History Month episode, and we'll be talking with United Way's own Phyllis Shelton. Back before our offices closed for COVID, Phyllis was the first point of contact for our visitors and staff. She has boundless energy and enthusiasm, and the pure joy she has for connecting with others made everyone who came through those doors feel special and appreciated. I do miss walking into the office and chatting with her for a few minutes and then having her send me off to work with her trademark, have a good day here at The Way. She's still busy greeting and helping those who call United Way, and we are so fortunate to have her on our team. When we were thinking about guests for this episode, I immediately thought of Phyllis. Knowing her story, she represents everyday folks, often unsung and unheralded, who are breaking barriers and showing resiliency and resolve in the face of unspeakable odds. Phyllis takes the time to learn more about people, but she has a story that probably a lot of people don't know. My name is Phyllis Shelton. I am quite unique. I believe that people are important and it makes a difference how we are all treated. People smile. I like to smile. I like to make people smile and know that they are important. I like to even know everybody's name. I try to make it a, a point to learn the names, but I have to ask you five or six times until I get it. So I enjoy being in that God-given, gifted position. We know that you are originally from down south, is that correct, North Carolina? That's correct. And um, you've been in Maryland, though, for several years. And so Maryland is home, more or less. Not necessarily so. I must stand by my home, but it has been a larger portion. My hometown is Elizabeth City, North Carolina, which is right on the northeast coast of the state of North Carolina. So we really think that our listeners would benefit from hearing your perspective on what it was like growing up in Elizabeth City and North Carolina in particular during your formative years and and what you experienced and some just memorable uh, moments for you. My little hometown is a nice little hometown. I was raised by my both of my parents. My parents were two of the wisest people I have ever, ever known. 
So a lot of my foundation was based on the golden life nuggets that they taught me. Now, there were 12 children. They had 12 children, six boys and six girls. They also raised one of the grandchildren. So our house was always full. I'm number eight. I'm uh, number nine. There were eight over me and three under me. So I'm from such a large family with all kinds of character in the family. But it's a good thing. I'm grateful for that kind of upbringing. And I tell you why. Because I had such a solid foundation of uh, coming from, from both of my parents. Um, daddy worked, of course. Mama did not work outside of the house, except uh, on occasions. Now, she cooked home-cooked meals every, every day. I think about that now. And we had to sit down as a family and we ate together. There was no arguing. You could not argue about things. Now, we could disagree on things, but not necessarily be disagreeable. And I thought that was something that I really, really needed to know. I'm wondering if you experienced um, outside of the home um, anything, you know, relating to the sort of racial climate that existed in uh, North Carolina. How did you interact with that and, and how did that affect you personally? Yes. Um, in, in our neighborhoods, we put the, the, okay, and that, let me use this term, um, colored was used and white. I experienced, um, I experienced seeing the colored signs for colored only and signs that were for white. We weren't allowed, the blacks weren't allowed to go to the theaters. We had our own theater as well. Um, <clears throat> the swimming pools, everything was pretty much, you know, segregated in terms of blacks and white. So uh, as time progressed, we were in school, all the, there was the, was the black elementary school, the white elementary school, uh, uh, high school, well, I guess it was called junior high, black and white, everybody, everything's still separate. Until, of course, the law changed where desegregation of the public schools became um, <clears throat> unconstitutional. Now that trickled down to us, to me rather, around 1965. At that time, there was a decision made that the schools, and there was a black high school, P.W. Moore High, and there was a white high school. This is how they were identified, uh, Elizabeth City High. So some of the students from the black high school were asked to go to the white high school. And several agreed, and I was one of them. However, when the time came, I don't know what happened to the other, but I ended up walking to the white high school by myself, 
where I would have been catching the bus with my friends, but I ended up going by myself. And that, that particular school was much closer to my house. There were some pros and cons, but nothing that was, well, let me just describe being there. So I uh, ended up, you know, walking back home, of course, but let me share this, even with the pros and cons, there were two students that I got to sort of be closer to, a boy and a girl. And they used to walk me home from school every day. Now, I don't know whether they were instructed, to, I don't know, but all I know is just happened. And we got to be pretty close. Um, I remember her. As a matter of fact, she had come from um, Chicago. And so she was used to blacks and whites mingling. And that was not necessarily the case in um, our home, in, in my hometown. We used to walk from school sometime and just end up going downtown. Some of the stores were still segregated. Jeannie would say, her name was Jeannie, and she would say, uh, yeah, come on, let's come on, let's go in here. And without even blinking an eye, wherever she went, I went. Now people would look, but nobody ever said anything out of the way or did anything. So that was just natural for her. So I made it natural for me too. So <laughs> that worked out well. Now, what they shared with me when we were on our way home from school uh, uh, is that, and I thought this was important. They said, Phyllis, we are not prejudiced. Our parents teach us to be. I said, okay. Mm. That was interesting. That was interesting to me because you would just normally assume that you know, just blacks and whites are just separate, period. But that was not the case. Ever, you know, I'm, I, was, I was not mistreated that much. But in a couple of incidents, I did have a couple of experiences where somebody, a student would walk behind me at school and say, N and uh, I still chose to stay focused on my purpose for being there. So I didn't even turn around. I just kept on walking until I got to where I needed to be. Now, another situation was with one of my teachers at Elizabeth City High. I joined the Future Teachers of America Association. And for the school yearbook, we took a picture Everybody was in there, and I was the only Black in that club. Now, when the yearbook came out, there was a picture of the future teachers of America in the yearbook, but my picture was not there. I was not in that picture. Somewhere along the way, they had taken another picture without informing me so that that could be the one to go in the yearbook. So I would love to hear just um, two points. One, sort of reaching graduation, 
So reflecting okay. on what you experienced once you made it to graduation, um, how, and then how that influenced your journey as an adult. Now, I, I was one of five Blacks in that first integrated um, high school graduation class. And there really weren't a lot of problems. I just went to school. I did my work. Now, let me say this also. My father was very well known in our hometown, Reverend Sessoms. He was very well known. My brothers, my six brothers were all, and my sisters. We, it was, there were so many of us. And, and so we, there was a connection even with the white community with some of the siblings as well. So when at graduation time, um, it was, everything of course was peaceful. It was pretty much peaceful. Um, but the, the impact is, is, is that, um, uh, I learned, I learned, I just stayed focused. I did my best, which I learned from home. Always be respectful. You know, you care about people and you're representing the family. And um, that's the kind of attitude and spirit always had, a spirit of, of, of love and joy two things you know as you know we're in this sort of moment of celebration um i'm wondering if you can um give us a sense of um how you feel your story sort of fits into the larger narrative of where we are as a people today particularly as an adult having uh you know having had a chance to experience what you've experienced and, you know, knowing who Phyllis Shelton is today. I'm wondering if you could just reflect on, on that moment for us. My parents left a great legacy of love, not just for certain people, but for, for everyone. And a great legacy of teaching what is right. So regardless, and our race was a, a human race. So that's the way we kind of saw things. And I'm grateful for that. Their daddy used to say, you can disagree, but you don't have to be disagreeable. Mama would say, regardless of what happens in life, the world is big enough to hold everybody. And I got that even as a young person. What you want to do is help people, help lift people up, never tear people down. So that foundation, that solid foundation of loving and caring about people in a genuine way will take you far. Love never fails. We would love to hear how music has impacted your journey and if there are any songs from your childhood that you've turned to in times when you needed comfort or if there are any now that you lean on when you need inspiration. Singing one of the songs was that I really liked as a kid was sing and smile and pray. That's the only way in a sense to be happy. That was, that was one of the childhood songs. Sing and smile and pray. That's the only way. 
and, uh, and I, I don't remember all of the words, but to be happy in Jesus, just sing and smile and pray. <laughs> and of course, uh, that's one of them. And oh, how great God is, how great he is. Uh, so those things are lasting. Those things are lasting and they make a difference in the life, lives of each other. By my father being a, a, a kind of a prankster, and he had a smile. I think I had the kind of smile that he had. And him making people happy, him helping people. I saw all of this. Being a front desk receptionist, it's a natural gift. It's a natural thing. It's not hard for me to do that. It's just natural. It's the way I grew up, my home life, my the structure of our family. We, you know, everybody comes in, you speak, you laugh, you tell a joke, you just enjoy one another. And that is what I got from, from, um, from our family, from the family legacy. Loving, caring, knowing that people are important, helping when you can to make a difference, shine the light wherever you are and make a difference in somebody's life in a positive way. Like Phyllis, you can make a positive difference in someone's life. United Way's Equity and Social Justice Fund is one way to do that. Visit uwcm.org backslash equity fund to learn more. Thank you for listening and be sure to catch our next episodes. Each year on Black History Month, I make time to reflect and honor the blood, sweat, and tears that all of our African-American brothers and sisters have contributed. This past year has also shown me that I can be a better ally to people of color. For me, what's important is that people outside the black community embrace not just black culture, but black history is something that belongs to them too. We want you to embrace it because it's American history. And when it has meaning for people outside the black community, Today's episode was developed by the United Way of Central Maryland's marketing team. All production and music was created and edited by Trevor Furkler. You can find our other podcasts at uwcn.org backslash podcast and wherever you listen. The world is big enough to hold everybody. Love, love, love.